Okay, so what have we been studying for the past month? Or so? What is a psalm? What type of songs are they? Hymn. Yes, they are like, they're the Jewish hymn book, right? These are the songs that they sang in the temple and that they sang about God. So this is just one of those songs. And as you already said, it's written by David. And um, it is a metaphor. different from an allegory how do you know what allegory is son is an allegory. What do they all have in common? Well, there's characters that we... It's a story. There's an act, there's a story to it. The 23rd Psalm is not a story, right? There's no story to it. He's, they're all metaphors where he's saying when Jesus cares for you, it's like this like a shepherd that takes his sheep by the water to the good water, okay? Um, why does David use the shepherd and sheep as a metaphor? Because in the Bible, when you look at the Old Testament, you see that shepherd comes to Yes, yes, that's true. But also, he was a shepherd, right? It would be, it wouldn't be as good if he were a stonemason and he wrote about a shepherding sheep. Why? He didn't have the experience, right? He's writing from experience. So that's a good thing. Uh, Another reason why is because sheep are important to how God interacts with people or used to interact with people. Why? Why would I say that? Because people usually come and listen. Like, like, like okay, yes, that's the like, metaphor part. But actually, physically, 
they used sheep all the time when, when they were interacting with God. How did the Jews do that? Sacrifices. And they all had to do what with a lamb once a year? Yes. Before they killed it, what did they do with it? I think it was for, I want to say three days. It might be four. No, it's three. Three days. No, I take that back. What they do with the lamb after they picked it out as the perfect lamb at Passover? Yes, they kept it in their house. They care for it, keep it in their house because they're becoming attached to it before they put their sins on it and sacrifice That's it. That's really sad. It is, but it's to prepare them for when Jesus comes to recognize the symbolism. I've never it. heard that before. Well, now you have. So think about that. Every person that is singing this hymn has had a lamb in their house every year. So they're very intimate with sheep. They know about them. Um, all right, we can't go on too many rabbit trails. Uh, let's see. We are going to look at another part this week in verse 3. And you'll notice that we're creeping along here because we are. he doesn't say a lot in this. It's only six verses long. But each thing is, uh, there's a lot packed into it. So let's go ahead and we're going to read all six verses. You can turn to Psalm 23 if you're not already there. And yes, we're going to read them all together. Can anybody do it on their own without looking? Most of it. I don't think I could get it word for word because I think I've heard so many versions I wouldn't get it exactly right. Like I can do like the Lord is my shepherd, I'll never want before I gotta recalculate. Jesus restoreth my soul. You missed. Alright, let's go ahead and read them. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, now, we're going to take turns. We'll start with Audrey. You can read verse 1, and then we'll go 2, 3. And at the end of your verse, you're going to tell me what it means. Okay, what does that mean? In your own words. Okay, good. Go ahead, Elise. What does that mean? Is 
think of the metaphor. It's okay if it if it's repetitive of what somebody else said, because some of it will be. He does. What's important about it being green pastures instead of brown pastures? Okay, that's good. And what about still waters? Think of all the different types of flowing water, yucky water. Why is that important to a sheep? Okay, right. And why does that matter to you on a spiritual level? Okay. That's good. Um, just think about it. Think about how that might appear. I'm going to start doing this each week. And when we do it, I expect you to give me more, a deeper answer each time we look at each verse that we've covered. We're not going to go past what we've covered yet. Um, Leo, I don't know if you were here last week, but verse 3, but you only have to read the first part. Go ahead and read, he restores my soul, and then tell me what it means to you. Okay. What is your soul? Like the inner part of you. Okay, so what do you, what does restore mean? Do you know? Okay, that's good. Good job. All right, so this week we're going to do the last part of verse 3. He leadeth me beside the, sorry, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, <clears throat> so, a shepherd talked about some different things because we've been basing um, what we know about the sheep. Obviously, I have no experience with sheep other than seeing them at fairs. But this guy was a shepherd for like 30 years who wrote this and was also a pastor as well. And what I mean by a shepherd, wasn't, it wasn't like his part-time gig that he did. He was a full-time shepherd. Like, that's how he made his living. Um, so we've looked at different things about, and he also has traveled around the world and visited other ways people do um, shepherding and is just kind of a student of it. So there's different eras, and you do different things in different ways depending on the technology you have and where you and he talks about how shepherds during David's time and in other poor countries still, that the way that they feed their flock, they don't bring them, what do you feed your audience, hay? Any grains or anything? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, so for them, they didn't have the Israelites weren't going out there and baling hay and then storing it and feeding them. They were, and they didn't even have like electric or even wood fences that they kept their sheep in. What they would have is if you were looking down on top of this, this was if you were, um, maybe if your family had
just one little entrance in and out and you would keep all your sheep in there at night. Sometimes you would have what they would do because it's a rocky area, which is like if you had like mountains. You might have just use oh. the cliff edge as part of your wall, and then this would be your something like that. And so they would have a place where they would what was called the fold, and they would keep their sheep in there at night. And that's obviously to keep them safe, to keep them away from robbers or from wolves or lions or bears and other things, even rabbits. He talks about that even a rabbit getting in can damage sheep. Why would a rabbit damage sheep? Because they get all scared. Yes, they get scared that they are all trying to get away at once and they could break a leg or other th bad things could happen. So this keeps them safe at night and we'll probably talk more about this, but the shepherd would actually sleep know if anyone was trying to get in because they'd have to go through him um, and then what he would do was he'd get up in the morning and he would get all the sheep together and he would lead them out and they would walk around and oftentimes do kind of a clover pattern we'll see that in a minute where he would lead them all through the pastures and this might not this might be mild you know that they go throughout the day and then bring them back into the fold and then the next day leave them out and then the next day they would come out and then the next day they come out so they're going to a different place every day and then they'd start over again why would he go to a different place every day so the grass can grow so the grass can grow back Right, because you can't just keep eating the grass in the same place every day, because what happens? Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, how, does anybody have um, at your house a place that is grassy, but you walk through it all the time? What does it look like compared to the rest of the grass? It's short. It's short. And brown and sometimes it ends up if it's a lot a lot it's just mud right mud dirt nothing's there except for a few cups so um, let me ask you this a question for you guys let's see Natalia on a Monday that's a school day what do you do on the bus or do you get a ride? Get on the bus. Go to school. Okay. What do you do on a Tuesday morning that's a school day? How about Wednesday? Thursday? Friday? Okay. Um, I think you get my point. We are creatures of habit. Now that's by force some of that, right? You have to get up at a certain time to get on the bus at a certain time to be at school at a certain time. But even if, even if it's not, it's just natural for us to do the same thing over and over. Um, have you ever seen, or maybe this happened to you or has happened to you, where you get your whole family gets to church, you walk in, and somebody's in your seat, and there's suddenly that... Um, awkward moment where you realize we have to find somewhere else to sit because we can't sit here today because somebody else sat there and you have to go find a different place it kind of jars you right you're like somebody sat in my seat where am I gonna go and 
it upsets your whole regular routine, right? Because we like things to be the same way every time. You probably even have at home things that like, that's my favorite glass or that's my place to sit at the dinner table. Yeah. That's my yeah. place to sit and watch TV. And if you sit in a different place, it's like this whole experience is not right. I don't like it. <laughs> right? Right. And, and you probably have a routine. Like when you go to bed, you probably like me, I floss, rinse, and then brush. That's my order that I do. You probably all have a different thing or with other things you have an order that you do it in and to do it differently doesn't feel right to you. Now, sheep are the same way that they are creatures of habit. And again, this is not my, I'm, I am trusting what this expert has to say, but he says that what with the, sorry, with the sheep, that if the shepherd does not direct them where to go, that they will go out. This is the sheep method, but rather that they would just go out and wander come to the same place in the pasture every day and then go back. They just go the same place. Even though the sh grass got shorter and shorter each day, didn't grow back as much, then they'd start, you said they will actually dig it out and dig up the roots to the point where the grass won't even grow back. And rather than, because they're so ingrained in their habit that they won't, necessarily even look for other grass that they will just start to starve and rather than do something different they will just keep going back to the same place every day unless the shepherd shows them the way so <clears throat> in order for sheep to be healthy they and have a full belly right that's the start nobody's going to be healthy without a full belly right they have to listen to the shepherd and not be so stuck in their habits that they're going to starve. Um, we as people do this same thing to ourselves that because, just because we don't like to change. We don't want to do something different. <clears throat> Some of you may or may not know but Sarah and I, we lived in Georgia for four years. And while we were there, we found a church that we went to. And it was a good church with really a wonderful group of people that became like family to us. And when I say group, it really was a group because there were only... You, it was a good Sunday if there were 20 people there, including us. So you knew everybody really well, and you were really close to everybody. Um, and the, they had a church there, and then they had 50 acres that was a campground with lots of buildings, like a, a food hall that was bigger than our barn, and other buildings and whatnot where they would have camps during the summer. But the rest of the year when there weren't 50 plus kids running around, there were only like 20 people there at the church. And they really, like any church, they were not, and like all Christians, they were not perfect. And one thing that they struggled with a lot was having a good preacher there. And they, um, <clears throat> because they didn't have that, even though people were consistent, there were people came every week, were always there. They struggled because they walked away spiritually hungry for God's word. They were not being fed by listening to a sermon each Sunday. They were fed in other things spiritually and 
um, having good uh, fellowship with one another, and they were very good at prayer and things like that where they spent a lot of time in it, but they struggled being fed by God's word um, in a sermon format. And what they would do is they had a couple people who preached, about three or four, that would rotate and take turns preaching. And you could almost guess what they were going, the sermon was going to be about based on who was going to talk. There was one guy that every time he talked, it was about angels. It was interesting the first couple times, but it was just always about angels. And that's just not the only thing in the Bible. And after a while, it you're just not that great. It's kind of like if you had spaghetti and meatballs, even if they were the best meat spaghetti and meatballs, you've had it every week, every day. You would get tired of it after a while. Long enough, you would get tired of anything. You would just need something else. I had that meatballs. So there was another guy who every time he would preach on different things, but somehow it would always work into his sermon that he would mention or it would be about Abraham sacrificing Isaac. He always worked that in, which is an easy one to work in because it's a symbol of Jesus being sacrificed on the cross, right? It was easy for him to work that in, but you could almost guarantee that that was going to work your way in. And after a while, you could just tell that with some people, some of the guys who got up there to speak, that people were just tuned out. It was like, it was just too monotonous, too much of the same thing, because the substance to it was gone. And <clears throat> we like to do things the same way every time. We... Um, and, but not just that we like the comfort of doing the same thing, we would like to get the same result by doing the same thing every time. Have you ever watched um, like a movie or a TV show and then you want to watch it again and have the same experience, but you watch it again and it's not quite as good? As the first time but yet but you're like I'll just watch it again you try again in a month and it's it's good but it's not the same as the first time but yet you keep going back to the same one because you know that one and you think ah, it'll still really be good well we do that with a lot of things um, we're trying to get that same fulfillment out of it because doing that same thing is comfortable to us. There's a better way, though, because Jesus is our shepherd, right? Jason forgot that. And he has a better understanding about what we need as sheep. Think about if, especially for those of you who showed sheep and have shown sheep, you know a whole lot better about what your sheep needs than they do, right? They will do a lot of dumb things and ignorant things that they're, and just fight and fight against you, even though you're like, if you just do this, we'll be done. Just do it. And we won't have to fight for 20 minutes to try to do it but yet they still struggle because they have something else in their mind about it. And really, for all of us, me, everyone you know, we all do that with Jesus. We try to do our own idea of what we think he should do with us. We, even when we pray, we pray for things, we ask for things. And we have in our mind, whether we are trying to or not, we have in our mind an idea of how the prayer will be answered or 
how he's going to help us. And that's not always the way that it needs to be. Um, we have to try to allow him to guide us and lead us along a path. I think I've shown you this example before, but maybe Audrey's the only, the only person who's seen it, I don't think. But, um, so, have you ever... one like let's say this line is going to be Peter the apostle right he didn't know God and then he met Jesus he was following Jesus and then he did some stuff real quick that was not what he was supposed to do right what did he do that he shouldn't have done We don't know anything about what happens to him other than he's in heaven. Well, because then Jesus was like, remember that. He's going to what? Like, he told Peter he was going to do it. Okay, yes. You're getting into a more complicated theological question of are things predestined or do you have a choice? He has to predestine. He does know. The short answer is you have a choice, and God knows everything that's going to happen and can even determine that some things will happen. It's hard. Anyway, so let's take a different example that we might know. All right, I'm going to put some years. I'm going to put some years to this one. Somewhere along the way, they got here and they closed. The church closed down for whatever reason. We don't know all the particulars, but part of it was that it was very small and they ended up there weren't enough people to keep it going. So closed for a very long time, right? It was outside of God's plan. And then something happened and it went. And then I assume we're still in here. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But you see that you can be in God's plan 
But did you notice that I drew this screen that you can be a part of and it's not straight? That it takes this and curves because it's always shifting and changing God's plan and his spirit, how his spirit moves in the world. And you have to be willing to shift and change with that movement of God's plan. We don't always like to change. Have you, um, you've probably met some people who complain anytime things change. Have you? You all have because I complain when things change. A recent dumb one that, it's still dumb, but it still bothers me a little bit. A change that our state decided to make, we're going to get rid of all plastic bags in the stores. I moved to Pennsylvania, and there were so many cashiers, and then the parts were filled with plastic bags, and we were like, oh my god. <laughs> right? It's not something really to even be angry about, whatever. You can use, bring your own bag, you can use a paper bag. It's not a big, that big of a deal in my life. But it was a change. I was used to something. But what are we going to, now we have to buy trash bags for the bathroom. I, I still have a lot saved. But yes, we, you do eventually run out and you have to buy trash bags for your bathroom. But it's just to prove a point that we don't, that's a silly one, right? But there are things that can be big things that can come up. Even things within our own church floor, you'll say, why are we changing it that way? Why are we doing something different? And sometimes you have to say, well... There's nothing in the Bible that says we shouldn't do it that way. Or there's nothing in the Bible that says we should. And sometimes it's about praying. It's about trusting God and allowing him to lead you in how things go. And in, the, in adjusting in how his spirit moves. Now, I'm going to look at real quick to the flip side of this. Because both of these things apply. And I'll show you in a minute. Um, what about people who can't stand to do it the same way every time? Do you know anybody like that? Or people that can't stick to something and do it all the time. They like to not be tied down with things, not to have a schedule. That can be tough too, right? Do you remember when we talked about early on in the series about that one um, you that kept wanting to go and seek for something else and kept and was leading other sheep astray? And eventually that he as a shepherd decided that he had to kill that sheep because she was causing so much damage to everyone else. Well, there can be also that same thing where it's not because you are, it's the same result that you aren't in tune with God's spirit, aren't allowing him to lead you, but that you don't want to keep doing things the same way or you're tired and you're bored of whatever God is having you do and you just kind of stop doing it and you go back to old habits. You do things that you shouldn't be doing. So it can go come in two different uh, methods. And it made me think of um, <clears throat> the song you guys all know, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You probably would if you heard the tune. And do you remember the line, um, it's probably one of the most famous lines in it where it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Do you know what prone means? You have a tendency to do it. It means that if you aren't consciously, consciously thinking, I am going to follow God 
that your natural reaction is going to be to fall away, to not follow him. It's our nature to become apathetic and allow life to just happen to us. Do you know what it means to be apathetic? No. Using no, big I, words here. I haven't heard that one before. Yes, this is different. Apathetic. I think I've spelled it right. I didn't look it up when I wrote it down. Well, it just means like a habit that you have and you're Oh, you're kind of along the right feeling there. Um, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 3, last book in the Bible. A Revelation chapter 3. Uh, verse 13. Everyone says revelations, but it's really just revelation. Like I'm guilty of it myself. <laughs> I am. I do it all the time. Why? And Sarah tells me I'm wrong. Okay, chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 13 through 22. Before we start, this is um, in the end times. That's what the book of Revelation is about, the end of the world. And this is talking about a specific church and what they are doing. And, um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans. spelled weird. couple famous verses in here. Have you ever heard about the lukewarm part? Okay. Here you go. <laughs> Do you, you know like in the movies when somebody's drinking and they tell them shocking news and they go and spit it out. That's his reaction when you are just, whatever. He does not like that. So that would have to against him. Yes. Hot or cold rather than just lukewarm. That's how he likes his food. Oh, well, yes, I know. Because <laughs> even if it's cold, she'll go. Hot. 
he and does. And he's like, you're like, oh, it's kind of hard to get pasta. <laughs> God likes pastry, obviously, or cold. <laughs> Clearly, right? Um, but it's a serious thing because this is talking about a church in the end times. And did you notice that in verse 17, it says that basically that they're rich, that they have everything that they could ever need. They are lacking nothing. They have it all. As far as wealthly, earthly things, they probably have a nice big church. They have all the food that they could want at the church. They have all the amenities, the music, the instruments. Maybe they even have a big barn. Just saying. It's easy to take things for granted after a while. And he says, ignoring all of that, he says, would you bring me some gold that I could stick it in the fire? And then when I pull it out, it's the purest gold. He says, you can't because you're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You don't have anything that's going to last. And um, he finishes it there where he says the, the super famous verse, which you all know the song, is I stand at your door and I knock. Yes. <laughs> and the key there is that you have to, you have to open the door. You have to choose. That's, that's where this metaphor of the sh sheep with the shepherd and our shepherd and us stops because sheep in real life, the shepherd just makes them do stuff in the end, right? I mean, you, there is a limit, but you pretty much just make your sheep do. You're gonna, you're gonna make them go to the right pasture. You can have that power over them. But with us, God gives us a whole lot more ability make decisions to do what we will and have you ever noticed um, the one painting that's in the archway the it might be up there still now I don't think we've changed it yet in the church over the the one that has Jesus knocking at the door in the garden what have you noticed anything odd about that door? No. It's very subtle. It's a very beautiful painting. There's a lot to look at, so it, you might not pick it up. There's no doorknob. There's only a handle or a doorknob on the because oh, that yeah. is the door to your heart, and Jesus cannot open it from the outside. You have to make the choice to open it from the inside. Yep. It's very important, right? It, it's a detail in the painting that tells you a very deep spiritual meaning behind it. So we, that, coming back to apathetic, that's the lukewarm part. I didn't look up the actual definition, but it means that you just don't care. You're just uh, along for the ride. You, somebody asks you a question, and you're like, I don't know. I don't care. I'm just here. I'm a blob. But we can be like that as Christians sometimes, right? You can come to church and just be like, Oh, I'm just not feeling it today, but I'm here. I've been like that before. And sometimes you can't even get yourself out of it, even when you try to. But God is trying to say to this church, wake up. Wake up, pay attention, and allow me to be your shepherd to lead you down the right path to lead you to things that are good for you things that are going to help you in your life and in your spiritual life and that's what David is trying to tell us here in Psalm 23 if I can get back there 
that our shepherd wants to lead us in paths of righteousness. That means the doing the right thing, going the right way. And we have to try to, as much as we can, be in tune with his God's spirit. And that's how we are led to do what we're doing. How do you make sure to be in God's spirit and to have his spirit in you? What are some tools that you've been given? Okay, so that is a good point because have you ever heard that you will rise to the level of your friends around you? Have you ever had, has a teacher ever done that classic thing where they make one per friend stand on a chair and you stand on the ground and then they say, try to pull your friend up off the ground and you can't, but then the friend can just pull you right off the chair. Because it's easy to pull down. I don't think that really? Do that. No. I mean, I sit on a chair in front of a class teacher. Oh, well, maybe we'll have to do it sometime. Okay, so that's a good point because who you surround yourself with is, is kind of the way you're going to act. Um, but on your individual level, what has God given you to know more about him? spirit needs to be awakened uh, yes you have your Bible all right so that tells you all about God what he's like and it's his living word it's called a living word because he can still speak to you through it and then there's another important thing these are all also part of the uh, and I say that they're tools because these are all part of the armor of God Okay, because you are you have a longing for that fulfillment. How about prayer? That's a way that you can talk with God, right? That's how you would. That's a really easy way. Uh, I don't want to say it's an easy to do, hard to get good at, but it's an easy way to find out what God wants you to do. To let Him know that you want to do what He wants. So those two things are things that everybody, at least that I know around here, has a Bible and can pray. You can always do that. All right. Next week we will get more into different things that David has about sheep and shepherds.